the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. For those looking to take their market and business knowledge to the next level, we offer Magic Markets Premium, a research reports and podcast library that nearly has 100 reports in it and a new one every week, all available for just 99 Rand a month. Recent reports have included the likes of Kroger, Deer & Co, Foot Locker, McDonald's, UPS, Apple, Meta, Johnson & Johnson & Swatch. With broad variety and deep research, this is perfect for anyone looking to go to the next level. We invite you to join us in Magic Markets Premium. Go to magic-markets.com to subscribe. This episode of Magic Markets is brought to you by B2IT. Have you heard of Robotic Process Automation or RPA? It taps into the incredible potential of artificial intelligence to effortlessly handle those never-ending, monotonous tasks. Or as B2IT put it, they make robots so people don't have to be robots. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. We thank B2IT for their support of Magic Markets. Welcome to episode 148 of Magic Markets, brought to you by B2IT. And again, Mo, we've gone and we've looked at two different companies this week, but not a South African one, because there's been some pretty juicy global stuff. And of course, we do love global companies. We specifically love global companies in Magic Markets. And uh, you gave me Tesla, annoying me, made me go and read all about Elon. And you took your old flame, Netflix. <laughs> That's such a great way to intro it, because I was going to say two stocks that you, you you love to hate. One Tesla, definitely. We know your hate for Tesla's deep. No, I don't mind. I don't mind Netflix too much. <laughs> your, your, your dislike, I would say your, dis, your dislike for Netflix. You know, you, maybe it's like you know you, you're feeling guilty when you're binge watching Netflix. Netflix, at least I like the product. <laughs> Netflix, I still like the product. Just to be clear. So I'm, I'm very know. glad I didn't get Tesla. You know, I think I, I've had the uh, the displeasure of having. Not, not invested in both stocks. I think I traded Tesla. Uh, thankfully, surprisingly, you know, magically actually made some money or kind of came out square, but it wasn't without a lot of pain. And we're going to discuss some of that pain. You're going to go into that. I'm going to let you go first uh, this week. And then Netflix, like you say, my old flame and lots of interesting stuff happening at Netflix. So Ghost, why don't you jump in with all of that, that passion, dare I say, vitriol towards Tesla. Let's see what happened last week. You know, I do actually try to be objective with this thing. I truly do. And the share price is up now. 96% this year. So, you know, I do wish that I uh, knew how to trade this thing and make money That's from cherry picking lows and highs. <laughs> no, it is cherry picking. No, for sure. But I mean, facts are facts. The thing's nearly doubled this year. So, you know, as much as I uh, am always bearish on this Tesla story um, in terms of this valuation, you know, the volatility is immense. But I can't get myself past the fundamentals, and that's my system. So, it is what it is. So, let's start there. In the third quarter of 2023, Tesla's revenue was up 9%. That's not exactly a rocket ship. Gross profit, that fell by 22%. That's like a rocket ship that was pointing the wrong way, and they went down. That's not good. It means that gross margin tanked 719 basis points to 17.9%. This is not a typo, and that is the lowest level seen in recent quarters. Operating margin came in at 7.6% versus 17.2% a year ago, which is a massive negative swing. So what was happening a year ago? Well, obviously, we still had that sort of supply chain catch up. Vehicle availability was low. Pricing was crazy. And Tesla gets, you know, that as a win effectively in its books. But operating margin has fallen every quarter for the past year. So margin not going in the right direction. And maybe I'll speak about that a bit more later. 
What I will say, again, I'm trying to have an objective view, is that Tesla is still free cash flow positive. They generated $3.3 billion in cash from operations and they spent $2.5 billion in CapEx. So there is at least something there as free cash flow in the middle. I like that ghost, you know, dangling the, the good news maybe in your, your next section. And, and just for context, the reason the stock is up so much is because it kind of bottomed out close to $100 a share, right? So go and have a look at that chart. It's certainly been very interesting on Tesla. Let, let me jump into Netflix. Now, Netflix is a stock, as you indicated, my old flame. It's one that you've, I call it love to hate. And we first covered the stock back in January 2022, a long time ago. In fact, if you go and have a look at some of those old reports, they actually looked a little bit different. Some of the elements are different, but it's, it's interesting to go and have a look at that context. Now, back then, Netflix was trading around $375 a share. And guess what? We were actually bearish. We were bearish on that stock and we were right because the stock fell. And we actually then recapped it in our free show by August of that same year. It was down to around $245. And we were still cautious around then. And then lastly, because again, we did it in the free show, we then said we actually need to do a proper dive on the stock. And in and around October last year, so almost a year ago, we then put our report called Netflix the sequel. Now, why I'm starting off here is because when we looked at the stock last year around this time, we were actually watching the break above the 200-day moving average for a potential trend change. It was the least bearish I actually heard you sounding on Netflix. Didn't change your view yet because I think I think we, we signed off by saying Ghost wasn't buying at the moment. Mo was a holder. We could add bag holder if you want to. But we cited the following. I cited the following. I said, strength of the content library. There was a trend, an uptick in free cash flow that we were watching. And this gave some capital flexibility to the company. And the stock back then was around $290 a share. Now, I'm happy to say that today it's sitting around $412 a share. Now, I'm not going to say I took all of that. I actually exited a little while ago. I got out around $380 a share. It kind of got there. It reversed. And in fact, on the release of the results, and we're going to go into that in, in terms of my next talking point, on the release of the last set of results, the company actually rallied, the stock actually rallied around 12%. So in fact, it was below that 380 mark. Just on the last week's move, it's now blipped just above $400. Now, what actually unlocks growth? This was something we had had in our original report, was that if you saw subscriber growth, if you saw dollar weakness, uh, if they were successful with their ad-supported tier, or if potentially they moved towards box office economics. That last one, that's a bit of a stretch out there. What have we gotten of those key points that unlocked the share price performance? I'm going to get into that in terms of my next talking point. Yeah, I mean, that's been a great performance since that level. Interestingly enough, I don't want to steal your thunder, and I have no idea what you're going to talk about, Mo, but I quickly Googled a, a five-year share price chart on Netflix. It's up about 36%. Sorry if that was something you were still going to bring up, but over five years, it's actually so pedestrian. It's all about timing. Hey? It is all about timing the market. So... My second point on Tesla is uh, just to dig in and understand why the numbers have done this in terms of the year-on-year -year deterioration in margin. And the key theme here is reduced average selling prices based on both overall pricing and mix. So Model S slash X production, that was down 31% year-on-year. Deliveries fell 14%. In contrast, the Model 3, Model Y, that grew production 20% and deliveries by 29%. So one strongly up, one down. And uh, the reality is that Tesla is not in a competitive vacuum after all, as I was saying the whole way through. Their pricing is now under pressure and Tesla has to keep spending on R&D. 
They have poured a ton of money into the Cybertruck. It's a very risky move with deliveries due to begin this year. I mean, there will be those who love it. There will be those who hate it. Look, I am not convinced. I think that is a very extreme risk that they are taking when their core business, it's not like they have 20 other models that people are buying and they do something a little bit weird, like when BMW takes a risk or Mercedes take a risk. You know, this is a huge risk. So in the interest of a balanced view, once again, there's a lot of potential market share out there for them to win. So I had a look in their shelled deck from this quarter and it's got market share by region going all the way back to 2017. Obviously it tells a good story for Tesla, that's why it's in there. But take nothing away from them, their market share was basically negligible in 2017. It's now almost 4% in the US and Canada, which is impressive. It's over 2.5% in Europe and it's over 2% in China. And that is not easy to achieve. So my view on this has always been Tesla was ahead of the curve, definitely, can't deny that. But that is not the same as a sustainable competitive advantage. And if I look at what's happening with pricing, I feel like that thesis is finally starting to play out. Yeah, indeed. I mean, this last year has been mired by massive price discounts in the North American market. You know, there are concerns around the growth. That Cybertruck, again, love it or hate it, I think it's quite ugly. And, and your point is spot on, Ghost, is that there are competitors. Guess what? The Germans have arrived with their electric vehicles. So you know, definitely a lot of headwinds there. I, I'm going to jump back. To Netflix. I'm going to jump into the numbers because you've, we always touch on a couple of key points. You know, what's happening with regards to top line growth? What's happening with margins? So with Netflix, as I indicated, the stock rallied 12% then thereabouts on the release of the latest results. What was so exciting? Well, first of all, it's actually been their best subscriber growth in years. They added 8.76 million new subscribers in the last quarter, significantly ahead of consensus. Consensus was down at around 6 million. So that was a significant beat on subscriber numbers and takes their total to just over 247 million subscribers. Now, like I say, strong subscriber growth, tick. That was one of the key pillars we had said. If they achieve that, you'd actually see the stock unlock some value. Over Q3, we actually saw almost 11% jump year on year in terms of the top line versus 8% in Q2 and only 4.9% in Q1. So the trend over the last three quarters has been strongly positive. Looking at the margin in the business, specifically the operating margin, that actually extended a little bit further to around 22.4%. And so all of these numbers stacking up in the right direction. But one key number I want to touch on, you mentioned free cash flow when it came to Tesla. We, in fact, in our previous report on Netflix, had indicated how free cash flow at that time, last year, this time, was pretty much all over the place. So in fact, if you go and have a look at it, it was around half a billion dollars for that quarter last year, and it was going to take their total for the full year to just over a billion dollars free cash flow positive. Well, guess what? In the most recent number, free cash flow up at $6.6 billion. That is massive. That is a proper value unlock in terms of money dropping through to the bottom line. Now, that's always been what we've said. With businesses like this, once you overcome that first hurdle, it becomes very cash generative very quickly. Now, superimpose on that $2.5 billion worth of share buybacks in Q3 and a further $10 billion authorized. Again, in our previous report, we had looked at it and we had said they were a little bit light on the repurchases. You know, yes, it was a missed opportunity because the share price was low at the time. But as the free cash flow ramped up, we've actually seen the share buybacks ramp up as well. Yes, we know it potentially sterilizes just a small portion of the executive compensation. And that's a risk that you always keep in the back of your minds. But overall, strong set of numbers, 
average revenue per user was actually steady. Previously, they were growing in the low ARPU regions. Actually, that number steady across. And again, there was one more card up their sleeve, but I'm going to save that for my last point on Netflix. Let me do my last one on Tesla. And it kind of is a follow-on from the second one, Mo, which is just sustainable competitive advantage and all of that. And the key point here for me, Tesla is having to work harder and harder and harder to make its money. If you have a look in the shareholder deck and you just take a high-level view, the charts dealing with vehicle deliveries actually look really good. Yes, there's a dip quarter on quarter. There's always a bit of volatility, but the through the cycle is strong. And that is what happens when you are winning market share. I mean, that's exactly what you would expect to see. The same can't be said for free cash flow or net income. These things peaked in 2022 when car companies were milking pent-up demand. And because of Tesla's model where they have a more direct relationship with customers than other automakers that work through large dealer networks, the shape of the rise and fall in revenue growth is more pronounced. So in other words, when Tesla could basically charge whatever they wanted for a car, Tesla scored that entire benefit and the market did the thing it loves to do with Tesla, where it assumed that Tesla will run at an operating margin of 17% forever because Musk is some kind of genius versus the Germans and everyone else has been there forever. Uh, Musk is some kind of genius, even if he's a crazy one, but economics are economics. Now, interestingly enough, when it comes to operating margin at Tesla versus the other players in the auto industry, there's also a really cool chart in the investor deck, and it shows that Tesla moved ahead of the industry in 2020. The industry then caught up in 2021, right at the beginning, and then Tesla powered ahead, running at over 16% when the industry was at 8%. But as these average selling prices have come off, operating margin has trended back down to pretty much the rest of the industry. I mean, it's still a little bit ahead, but it's on its way down. And for me, this continues to support my view that Tesla's sustainable advantage is overplayed. So I have to, of course, finish off here with a Musk quote from the transcript because he remains who he is. And I did have a bit of a chuckle when he said that demand is off the charts for the Cybertruck, but they need to make it at a price that people can afford. So basically, a lot of people want it unless it actually costs money, in which case a lot of people might not want it. So demand for anything is off the charts if the price is low. He also makes this joke about how you know, if a Tesla cost the same as a Toyota RAV4, everyone would have a Tesla. I'm like, yes, Elon, thank you for that massively great insight. So, you know, they really are betting the farm on the Cybertruck. And I just think it remains really risky to go and throw your money at this because if it doesn't work out, it's a huge issue. If it does work out, that's kind of already priced in. And at the end of the day, if you've seen pictures of the Cybertruck, it basically looks like someone designed it with a ruler and then went and made it out of sheet metal as like a DIY project with their parents for Monday morning science class. Like I just I just don't get it. And I also, for the life of me, cannot understand how it passes pedestrian safety rules. It basically looks like something you can drive into a war zone, not to take your kids to school. Yeah, that's hilarious. I'm actually doing a project with my daughter <laughs> and we're putting together some boxes. And now that you mention it, it looks a little bit like a Cybertruck. And I'm also sure it goes that if the price on a Ferrari were the same as a Toyota RAV4, demand would be even more off the charts. So, you know, those kind of comments, definitely. I, it's almost like it's, he says them tongue in cheek, but I think he's being serious, right? Let me jump into my last point on Netflix. Now, Netflix, as I indicated to you, strong set of numbers, strong subscriber growth, but the card that they've actually pulled out that I think's actually gotten the market the most excited is the price increase card. Now, they are looking at a price increase. Don't worry, South Africa. It's just for the US, UK, and France that actually moves up their basic plan to $12, their premium plan to $23, but actually, and quite interestingly, keeps the ad-supported plan low at $7 and the standard plan at 15.5. So 
That's an interesting take because on those two plans that they've hiked, on the basic and on the premium, we actually see that the hikes are around 2 to $3 on each pricing tier. That's a material pricing increase. It's obviously where they think they've got some sort of flexibility in terms of the customer's elasticity of demand. Now, I think the market's getting excited about that because if you built this nice big base, they haven't really lost a lot of subscribers. In fact, they've gained subscribers. They've actually also cited the fact that they have a pricing tier for sharing plans. So remember, this goes back to the password sharing situation, and they've actually seen some of the ramp up come from that. So there's a lot of things that are working for Netflix right now on top of a content library that has, I would argue, improved and remains quite strong. They seem to be getting that right. You know, they're putting some very interesting stuff out there, you know, limited series, documentaries, stuff that's interesting, that's different, and again, builds the Netflix investment thesis. Now, very quickly, no dividend on Netflix. You've indicated over the long term, very pedestrian type of return. So yes, very susceptible to actually just getting the timing right on this. If we have a look at the, for example, the peg ratio, it's around two times. So that's not cheap. This is a company that's growing, but the question is, how much do you actually pay for that growth? On a technical basis, it's tested the 200-week moving average. It's kind of failed. It's playing around that level right now. So I personally, I don't have it anymore. I recently took profit on that. I would hold off tactically for better levels. You know, it's not to say it's not going to rally. The momentum is definitely with the stock right now, but I don't think it's priced cheaply. And, you know, between the two, if we look at Tesla versus Netflix, you know, just not really comparable, but between the two, I think that's fairly simple. I mean, Ghost, you're very bearish on Tesla. I think the numbers don't stack up. And even if you look at the chart on Tesla, it's been in this linear kind of regression channel. It's tested the 200-week moving average, but it looks as though it's failing around the mean of that long-term channel. So for me, I think binge-watching Netflix Definitely better than going out there and hoping I could buy a Cybertruck. Yeah, I think if I just look at the two business models, I'm more bullish on Netflix than I am on Tesla. I think just Netflix is a great product. It's a household name. It's all of these things. Tesla, you know, take nothing away from what they've achieved. But a comment on the share price is not necessarily a comment on the underlying business. What they've built is fantastic. And people make that mistake all the time. They go, oh, but, you know, look what he's built with Tesla. Yes, that's great. But what are you paying for it? And the market does crazy things in the short term. And that's why you have to be very careful. You know, I would never sit with a structural short on Tesla just because I think the valuation is crazy because the thing can blow up in your face and it can double in price. And it can double in price for reasons that are very, very hard to explain. It's sentiment, it's risk on versus risk off. It's all kinds of crazy things. So, you know, my system is fundamentally, if it doesn't make sense, I try and avoid it. I'm not a momentum trader. I don't watch the markets closely enough stock by stock to try and actually do that. Um, if you are a momentum trader, I can imagine Tesla's a fascinating thing. And go back to last week's show with Garth McKenzie. We talked about different trading strategies for bull markets and bear markets, momentum strategies. You know, that's when you look at something like Tesla and it's interesting. Uh, but for long term, yeah, I just don't get it versus the rest of the industry. And it's just not a very attractive industry actually overall. A lot of these businesses underperform, operating margins are tight, lots of competition, changing technology, complicated supply chains all those things. There are better places to put your money. Netflix, yeah, very interesting. And uh, I think the business continues to to sort of just march forward. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But again, so much of it priced in. And that's why I can love the Netflix business. Still doesn't necessarily mean I want the stock. Yeah, Ghost, I think that's a great place to kind of wrap it. Netflix has been one that I've held in my portfolio until quite recently. It's definitely done a lot better than the other streaming competitor, Disney. We know that's a pain point, which we will not get into right now. Uh, and I, I like the fact that you highlighted the differences between trading portfolio versus long-term investment portfolio. And Netflix, a business that's 
seems to be growing from strength to strength, very cash generative. Tesla, I think some headwinds. And again, it's it's been, I've lost money, I've made money on Tesla. It's this love-hate relationship, kind of like some people's love-hate relationship with a Cybertruck out there. Not the only game in town. And I think the important point is we've covered other automobile manufacturers here at Magic Markets Premium. Uh, go and have a look at that. The economics of the industry as a whole are really, really tough. And again, you can't compare Tesla to a Ferrari that goes by the ticker race. That's one that we'd actually covered. We actually said that's more of a luxury play than automobile play. But again, if you read through those reports in the competitor section, we do draw some of the, uh, the analogs that you can pick up as industry-wide trends. But again, that's where we're gonna leave it this week. So we hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, let us know, hit us up on social media. It's at Magic Markets Pod, one word. It's at Finance Ghost or at Mohammed Nala on X. You can also go and find us on LinkedIn. Go and find us, engage with us there. And until next week, same time, same place. Thanks and cheers. Ciao. We thank our sponsor, B2IT, for making this show possible. B2IT is all about making life easier, one robot at a time. If you hate it, automate it. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.